welcome back to Black Girl Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We are back for another episode of Preacher. This is Season 2, Episode 6. Sakosha, written by Mary Laws, directed by David Evans. Premiered July 24th of 2017, and I gave it an 8.9 out of 10. We're going to jump right into the recap, me and my strawberry milk, because I really like strawberry milk. A husband and wife discuss selling 10% of something to solve their desperate financial situation. However, 15% gets you double the asking price. The salesman assures there are no lasting side effects. Okay, 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 okay. And just like that, the man agrees to give up 15% of his soul for $150,000. The procedure consists of the man identifying the soul and removing it seamlessly into a vial where it appears fluorescent. I chuckled at the end, even with Jesse, he couldn't get rid of the salesman in him. You won't even miss it. What's insane is this company and its armed truck, which we saw in episode four, if you caught me pointing that out, turns around and sells that 15% of that man sold to a woman with dementia for $2.7 million. I can't imagine any debit card that allows you that limit, but I guess it has to be. It has to be a sole match to work in effectiveness, then turn into a consumable. And just like that, Millie has her memory back. Hey, bro. What? Oh, my God. If you can afford it, apparently you can buy a soul. Finally, we are getting into the otherworldly aspect of the show that is likely going to give some strides to why Jesse is less skeptical of the metaphysical God possibly in trouble and in need of rescue. Jesse showers ridiculously proud of himself for some reason while looking in the mirror. I know it's rude to say, but the actor has a chipmunk face. Cassidy tries to help tie Dennis's shoe like he don't know how to do that himself after a coughing fit and is basically told to get the fuck out of my face. Tulip is making pancakes with ready whip hot fudge and is that m&ms or skittles i'm gonna go with m&ms in cassidy's pancake and the way she spelled his name wrong that was so cute cassidy apologizes for anything offending he said to jesse the episode prior when you know they were having blows at each other when he was trying to make him see the error of his ways who isn't bothered by what cassidy said to him But when it's Jesse's turn to return the respect of friendship by apologizing for the things that he said, he just tells him he's forgiven. The thing is, Jesse don't feel bad for his actions because he's thinking, I just told the truth. You're a piece of shit. And that's how I feel and view you in a certain aspect in my psyche even if i do value your friendship i know what you are and i'm not okay with that despite 
me not judging you but i am judging you for it that's what makes jesse i think the perfect vessel for genesis it's because he has those moments of you know i gotta go get cassie he gets the you know he makes sure that he apologizes to him and he's a friend to him and then the next minute you get this other person who is a completely narcissistic side to jesse custer and he's selfish and vicious <laughs> and Cassidy really hasn't met that guy Cassidy and Tulip are far more interested in a place where you can get shot in the chest while wearing a vest for money or pay to have it done to you however Jesse intends to continue to search for God to which the kids respond yoki dad that's pretty much how they (laughs) I imagine when they're a little chuckle let the diabetes take its own time cassidy says because she put all that ready whip on there they kept stuffing marshmallows on top (laughs) cassidy though was definitely instigating likely in wake of that non-apology he didn't get about the fact that laura was someone that jesse was excited about which causes tulip to be jealous since jesse ain't told her about this and while Cassidy is explaining how to get the next clue, blowing up a picture of the gun that they used to shoot Jesus or the fake God and get the serial number, once again showing he isn't useless and isn't a sidekick and is genuinely interested in helping Jesse despite his less than enthused wish to chase around and find God. And that is exactly what Tulip's doing too. Like, yeah, yeah, I would rather go do something else, but okay, we're doing this for you. Then when Tulip decides to be or press the issue about Laura, he replies, Well, I didn't marry her. Shots fired. And while I am certainly a bit of a biased Tulip defender. I will say this was deserved <laughs> and i love the way she just chewed and stared at him like really nigga it was very much touche all right you got me there meanwhile the saint of killers has arrived and unclear if the little girl purposely gave him the wrong door but she sure as shit got the fuck out of town the very first chance that she could get and i don't blame her to get the fuck out of there he runs up uh, or in on an unsuspecting guy with a gun that ends up having it twisted in his own damn hand saint only wants to know about where the preacher is he said ain't no preacher here man i'm a jew he still gets a super bullet to the dome that imprints itself into the refrigerator in the apartment where jesse is a little hard to believe he's the only one that heard that loud ass sound but sure the saint gives absolutely no fucks deciding to knock on everybody's door and kill them in search of jesse all this blood is on his hands so way to go question who says don't make me bust you up that guy's head just came rolling out the room cassidy is still explaining i love these little background conversations that him and tulip have while jesse and the camera is focusing elsewhere but he was explaining his idea saying they should go to the dork docks to get the image blown up while tulip thinks that there are tv shows in outer space for the pentagon then she asked well what kind of tv shows do you watch he watches all types of tv trash is what she calls it where the fat women 
transform themselves he believes that is a beautiful thing to watch and that the tv producers even pay to get rid of the stretch marks jesse sees the bullet boiling in yogurt and manages to bolt with the crew just in time for the saint to bust in the front door they find out that fior is dead killed by the saint and tula proposes that we should probably uh get the fuck out of here well actually cassidy's the first one like yeah that's an angel killer let's go let's run it's not confront him and that's when tulo says well yeah and you also need to stop using the voice but jesse refuses needing it to find god he sounded like a little boy but i needed to find god or even be listened to by the man himself and he knows it so jesse proposes giving him something in exchange for not killing him aka genesis and to do research on what his weakness is so they go to the library which is actually a very smart idea i'll give him credit when credit is due how you just gonna judge though that a book on tape ain't a book it's like someone doing the hard work for you we get the saint's backstory he fought for the confederacy so not great then fell in love and repented his ways only for his past to ruin his present joy and he died fated for the flames soulless and feared by satan himself i did laugh when they said next on american psychopaths dick cheney (laughs) cassidy comes with facts tulips like he lost his family that was a thing cassidy recalls dennis and that he did not warn him about the crazy killer in the apartment but it's too late and the old man meets certain or is about to meet certain death until jesse uses the word to get him to listen and says that he's coming jesse has a plan he tells the saint that his deal isn't going to be fulfilled by god's side seeing as god is gone and he can prove it he brags about sending eugene to hell and tells him he can get him to heaven by also getting him a soul in which he can then join his family jesse also admits that he has power to rival gods and it's more insight into his growing ego the saint gives him one hour but cassidy tulip and dennis are his failsafe jesse apparently knows all about the soul business going to papa bebes first for one and introducing himself by his family name langel which gets him instant recognition angelville is also mentioned and seems to be one of the last that are holding on by a thread of the soul pushers having been wiped out by the japanese who cornered the market doing applications unheard of including the fracturing of the soul the soul happy go-go is the name or the logo on the truck when translated tulip calls concerned about dennis's health as well as where you at because an hour is not a lot of time to get someone a soul and he doesn't have his medication having dropped it in the kitchen jesse needs her assistance breaking into an armored truck when he's unable to get the attention of the guards or of i i there was a moment where the guy was like that's pretty you know ironic that they would be here they would be here like clockwork and tulip knows how to build explosives out of nothing except it does nothing to the foolproof 
vehicle i will say someone's asking you to get supplies and you in the middle of the street talking about i don't know where to find fertilizer motherfucker you should have been thinking about finding a hardware store like that shouldn't even have been at somebody your mouth like what i don't have that around me no shit jesse is then arrested Tulip knows Dennis is close to Cassidy in some type of fashion, thinking that maybe he's his daddy. Even though, you know, Cassidy is 119 years old, so that should have been the daddy giveaway. <laughs> and that's when Cassidy reveals that Dennis is his son. All this time on the surf, he never learned French. Clearly doesn't have a good relationship with said son, considering he was teaching him how to tie his shoe like he was three years old. And it's probably the last time he's been in his life. He does admit that it's unfortunate that this poor soul had a father like him. Tulip decides to plead, plead for Dennis to be let go as he's innocent in all of this, but the saint is unforgiving and tosses her aside. Even when she mentioned his daughter, and when she comes back into the room, she says, He touched me. Now, the saint is a supernatural being from hell, so it's possible she may have felt saw what we don't know but clearly it affected her greatly he has the cops jesse pull the truck over but all the souls on inventory isn't a match to the rare one that is the saint soul because he uses the bullet to identify what's going to be a match all but jesse's soul is a match and apparently his is rare as well the least he can give is one percent he gets the pill and tells them to get lost and i can't mourn the fact that they will do that for the rest of their lives jesse briefly mentioned to tulip when he got back that the soul business is a family business however he is late tulip is dragged away into the kitchen to be killed if not for cassidy's intervention there that cost him all of his fingers Tula would be dead and me thinks this is the first time she's been face to face with that concept itself and has felt an actual fear that has shaken her i think to her core both jesse and tulip don't discuss their feelings pretending to be perfectly fine jesse doesn't reveal that he's actually given up one percent of his own soul and then she takes cassidy and how you gonna explain cassidy's situation but i guess he needs a blood bag somewhere and then it's to the hospital jesse gives him the soul pill and as soon as they left his whole demeanor changed right this was all a ploy to dominate and punish the saint of killers he humiliates him by having him get on his knees and using the word now that he has a soul it can be utilized not only does he disarm him but passes judgment forbidding him the gates of heaven despite jesse's own disgrace in which he would not get in there himself because a sin is a sin right this is a rather despicable moment for jesse and a little bit falling into that growing ego he's dealing with supernatural beings and now he has this certain control over said supernatural beings that have a soul and he put that together before everyone else with every intention of using it in a very malicious manner that he certainly kept hidden from his friends he looked like a self-righteous prick every bit as horrid as the heavenly father himself 
that he plans to hold accountable the irony is not missed on anyone <laughs> at least it's evident and just when he plans to send him to hell that's when the saints like yeah and that's where your soul's gonna be as well your filthy soul that i know is filthy and worse where you really know you kind of belong so instead he places him in a familiar hell considering the context behind it this was really an atrocious and horrid act he allows the saint to live he takes him to the swamp and condemns him alive to live out the rest of his life in a wretched impenetrable truck of the happy go-go tulip is not okay but cassidy makes an overture his fingers are already growing back and that's something that cassidy does he offers you know physical contact to her whereas jesse rarely initiates that comfort cassidy did replace dennis's tv set and then you have jesse in the bathroom burying the saint of killer's weapons feeling very smug about his actions you done messed up a.a ron i think we can all agree that jesse just made a situation from bad to worse he didn't have any personal beef with jesse he was doing a job that he was hired to do and did it so that he could reunite with his family you could have gotten rid of your problem by just doing and, and doing what you promised to do right it doesn't matter if you believe he belonged there that's not your call to make and yet you could not pass up the opportunity to give in to your grandiose and self-importance and make an actual enemy of someone who could have been out of your way that is our episode this week but we do have mail queen shy you're up let's hear what you have to say about this episode hey christina it's me shy i am here to give my feedback for preacher episode six of season two i'm not gonna lie this episode was a bit bizarre <laughs> especially in the beginning on uh, and in and just the, the whole premise in in general um of course obviously i wasn't supposed to know what the hell was going on in the beginning of this episode when the um japanese guy was going around um taking a, a whatever he was doing he was collecting something and then matching it with something and then giving it to somebody else so i'm like what is that i i couldn't i, I couldn't wrap my brain around it then obviously we find out later on that they're in the business of selling souls and then the the truck the little whatever logo of the truck is happy soul go go and i'm like how do you get in this business like what in the world so soul donation is the name of the game and i'm like and what what reason would you have to sell your soul or to buy a soul i'm like i mean the lady that was i guess she had alzheimer's and <clears throat> the soul gave her some soul back and she's able to remember but is that worth two million dollars because that's exactly how much you pay for it 
And then my question becomes, what happens to the person who donates the soul? They become less of themselves, I'm guessing. And so I don't know how much Jesse donated when he gave it to the killer of saints. Another guy said at least 1%. I mean, did he just give the bare minimum? Um, was that good enough? So, yeah, very, very interesting um, premise to an episode. Um, definitely never seen or heard anything like that before. So, um, yes, of course, we find out about Dennis. Um, so that was surprising for me because I didn't even it didn't even cross my mind that Cassidy would have a child and that, I mean, of course, you know, now that it, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, of course, Dennis is not happy with his father. Uh, but my thing is, he's never learned French. I mean, never learned English. It seems like he's lived in the um, United States his whole life. So why does he not know English? <laughs> so, Or maybe he hasn't. Did, did Cassidy say that he was from France and moved? I don't know. But or is he does he know English and he's intentionally not speaking English because he's mad at his dad? I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to know why he's not speaking English, um, even if it is broken English, a little bit of English. I mean, he watches um, television, English speaking television all day. And that's normally how people learn how to speak English um, that are from other countries. That's what they say is how they learn. So not quite uh getting that but it was good it was good to get a backstory and he and um, somewhat of a backstory on that or some um clarification on that because i was getting tired of seeing dennis just sitting around and i know what you said he was sick but i'm like even that it was like hard to like so why would they go to some random dude's house named dennis who's sick and then just hang around there and cassidy is you know talking to him like you know everything's peachy key but now we see that's his son they haven't they had a falling out obviously dennis is upset and cassidy is you know trying to make amends in his own way i like how and i say like as in not liking it for real um jesse's rationale for continuing to use the powers this is prior to him getting rid of the killers of saints it's like, yeah, I need to find God. So even though this killer is tracking us down and can murder us, I got to use my powers. And, you know, when Tulip had suggested that he not use them so they he won't be able to track them down. I was like, really? <laughs> I got to use them because I need to find God. Like, do you? Do you really? So I thought that, I mean, it's like his rationale for things is just so interesting. We got the little, uh, we call it um, the thing that when Tulip was reading or listening to the tapes on the Killer of Saint, the mystery or the legend of the Killer of Saint, where it all started from. But of course, we all knew that. We saw that um, in the uh, previous episodes or season when they gave the, uh, you know, showed us what happened to uh, get for this killer saints to be the way he is i really i i mean i know that in the previous in misfits is it misfits yeah i was not a fan of um 
gosh, I, I'm drawing a blank on what his character name was in that show. But Cassidy here, I just adore him. I just love him and Tulip's relationship. I just love how much he's always there for her and always trying to look out for her. And he was such a badass in this one. And I, I mean, he grabbed that sword to try to protect her. And of course, <laughs> cut off his fingers. Um, yes, he could grow fingers back, but it's the idea that he's willing, you know, what he's willing to do for her. And uh, I don't know, it's just so sweet and so adorable. Um, I just love their friendship so much. Um, yeah, he's definitely, I see, I know he's friends with both of them, but I kind of see him more of a friend to Tulip than than Jesse. More probably because of what you said in your last podcast that they are, they have, I feel like they have more in common. They, they're more in tune with one another than um, Tulip and Jesse or um, Cassidy and Jesse. This um, episode was pretty straightforward. We got, you know, the the legend, the legendary uh, history of the Killer of Saints. We found out about um, Dennis being Cassidy's son, who obviously didn't inherit his uh, powers. Um, Jesse sold a bit of his soul um, to the devil. <laughs> um, and I thought that was interesting that, um, you know, Jesse was on his high horse talking about, yeah, now I'm going to send you to hell. And he's like, yeah, go ahead. Your soul be down there with me. And of course, that gave him pause. But I do feel like Jesse, uh, it was smarter Jesse to figure out that given the um, killer saints, a piece of his soul would give him the ability to control him of course of course it would benefit him so yeah that but it was still smart of him to figure that out um and use that to his benefit um but of course then again the killer saint was like yeah yeah player go ahead send me down the hill see what happens to your soul and then he ends up doing what he did so i don't know i feel like i'm kind of like disappointed that that was how it ended so i'm hoping that's not the end of the killer saint story because it's a, kind of a disappointing like that's it after all this hunting down and all this fear and all that stuff and it just ends kind of i don't know it just ended lukewarm for me i will say that much so kind of disappointed with that i thought it would go on for a little bit longer so on to the next adventure, I guess. I mean, and I and I know just having him out there on the outskirts made it made the season interesting too. And you know, just knowing that he's out there and hunting them down and all that stuff, uh, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, and so, with that not no longer being the case, at least for the time being, um, kind of have a letdown feeling but especially like I said in it the way it did I was thinking it would be a little bit more to it but we'll see what happens um obviously he stole this dude to somebody's truck and they said and the guy was like do you know who this truck belongs to or this stuff belongs to so maybe there's a story within that as well that we'll find out since he um he probably inadvertently got himself involved in something else some japanese lord or something somewhere i don't know but we'll see so 
Until next time, much love, peace, and Black Girl Magic. Queen of the Couch, Shy. And that was Queen Chai on Creature. Uh, I can see why you would feel that this was a pretty lackluster ending. But you brought up a really good point. That truck belongs to somebody and they may want their merchandise back. And they may have something like, I don't know, a way to find where their merchandise went. Never keep your enemies alive. That's one thing I know. Especially if your enemy already and like you got lucky outsmarting them and quite frankly i can't help but think this was a stupid decision mainly because you chose in that moment to be god instead of just jesse custer which a deal is a deal and you're right he doesn't have to find god he wants to find god they did uh i think the show is going in the direction of what happens when you give up one percent of your show or so <laughs> so 15% would have been an interesting thing to see but the fact that we're focusing on someone who gave up 1% I think is going to be a pretty adept uh, <laughs> way to judge and they are pretty desperate people you know the mortgage company is coming to take our house this is the type of things and the type of people the devil whispers in their ear I like the kind of biblical aspect of it the way they use you know favors for your soul they just do it in a very non-biblical spiritual context they went ahead and put that in the 100% real and I will say New Orleans has a French speaking culture and is fluent in different regions so he may just never have learned English but I also think there is something behind the fact that you know Maybe he just doesn't want to speak even broken English to someone that just showed up at his door one day. And I guess seeing saying you like Eminem's when you were a child, it's been quite some time since they've seen each other. Great feedback as always. If you want to join in our next conversation, blackgirlcouch at gmail.com. You can leave a comment below on this podcast. My social media will be there as well. Remember to like, share, subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease. And Black Magic.